I'm Effie Parks. Welcome to Once Upon a Jane, the podcast. This is a place I created for us to connect and share the stories of our not-so-typical lives. Raising kids who are born with rare genetic syndromes and other types of disabilities can feel pretty isolating. What I know for sure is that when we can hear the triumphs and challenges from others who get it, we can find a lot more laughter, a lot more hope, and feel a lot less alone. I believe there are some magical healing powers that can happen for all of us through sharing our stories, and I'll take all the help I can get. Hello, and welcome to the show. You're listening to Once Upon a Gene, and I am your host, Effie Parks. I am so very excited to introduce you to my guests today. When I became a part of the rare disease community after my son Ford was born, I didn't feel like I had any community at all. The more the weeks passed after Ford, the less connected I felt to my friends and the community I had already had. I didn't like feeling that way, so I sought out finding my people in the form of podcasts. I felt very connected to hearing stories on this medium. And searching for podcasts is not that easy for some reason. And I was just typing in keywords into the app for anything on the subject. And I found a handful of podcasts that really spoke to me. And my next guests and their podcast is at the top of that list. Both of them are living with a rare disease called Friedrich's Ataxia. And their podcast delivers laughter and insight into their lives and living beyond their circumstances. Having these dudes on my podcast is mesmerizing to me. I just can't believe how lucky I've been in the last 10 months after the launch of this podcast to be circling back to some of the most impactful resources in my own journey. I'm so excited for you to hear our conversation that I'm just going to get on with it. I hope you love this conversation as much as I did. And after you're finished listening, go subscribe to their show. I'll leave a link in the show notes for you. So here they are, the two disabled dudes, Sean Baumstark and Kyle Bryant. Hello to everyone's favorite two disabled dudes. Welcome to the show. What an honor to chat with you today. Thanks for having us. Hello. It's an honor to be here. I don't know if you know anything about me, but I found you in such a time of need. My my son Ford was born with a rare disease and I searched every keyword I could think of in podcast search bars and yours was one that I found so much comfort and laughter in and it was such an important piece in my journey so far as a mom to my own little disabled dude and I healed a lot listening and laughing along to your show so thank you so much for the content that you put out. That's that's really great to hear because that's really the whole point of doing it, right? Thank you. That's, I love hearing that. Yeah, I think, you know, that really hits home to the reason we do it. Like Sean said, you know, it's to relate to others and to, like, the relationship between me and Sean, like, we don't necessarily talk about it even <laughs> all that much. We laugh together and make fun of each <laughs> other. And, you know, that's kind of what our our podcast is more about friendships and figuring out life than it is about disability. Yeah, that's very cool. I love it so much. And I'm really excited to share this episode with people who maybe haven't heard of you before because you're super awesome. So for our listeners, would you who maybe have not heard of you, can you give us a little background about yourselves and how you connected as friends and then podcasters? 
Yeah, so I was diagnosed with Friedrich's ataxia, a rare disease, when I was 17 years old. And I went almost 10 years trying to figure out what the heck to do with the rest of my life. Um, and then in 2007, my family and I did a cross-country bike ride to raise funds and awareness for Friedrich's ataxia research. And while we were on that trip, I was writing a blog post about every three days. And people started reaching out and telling me how my actions were helping them face the challenges in their lives. You know, it was a lot of people in the FA community, but it was also a lot of others. And I felt so much empowerment by that, by being a part of the community, by feeling like I was part of the solution to, you know, into figuring stuff out in life. And, um, so I kept riding and Sean and I met through cycling and through raising awareness. Um, we did a couple of bike rides together, including the world's toughest bike race, the Race Across America. It's a race that starts in San Diego and it goes to Annapolis, Maryland, literally ocean to ocean. We had a documentary crew following us and um you know that that was one of the big things that brought sean and i together that's amazing can you give us a little background of what fa is and what it means for both of you sure yeah i can do that friedrich's ataxia is a rare neurovascular disease that affects all muscle coordination from the toes to the fingertips it also has symptoms like scoliosis diabetes vision loss, hearing loss, and life-shortening heart complications. It's a rare disease um, that affects about 1 in 50,000 people. So that's roughly 5,000 people in the U.S. and roughly 15,000 people worldwide. And so, you know, when you've got a disease that rare, as you know, it really... You look for opportunities to connect with the others that are going through the same thing. The condition, it's a dual recessive, right? So both parents maybe are affected or carry this damaged gene, but there's no sign of it. So there's really no warning sign that something could be wrong with one of your children or all of your children. So that's one dynamic of living with FA, as it is with so many rare diseases, that the diagnosis comes out of left field. Nobody sees it coming. And of course, I'm sure you can relate. When when that diagnosis comes out of nowhere like that, it'll turn your world upside down, at least for a time. Yeah. Talk about the loneliness and the isolation in getting a diagnosis like that. And both of you got yours kind of later on, um, whereas some get diagnosed when they're like young kids, right? It just kind of shows up at different times for other people. I think the average, and Kyle can correct me, he knows more than me, but the average diagnosis age, I want to say is like 5 to 10 or somewhere in that realm. Yeah, I think they say 5 to 15, but yeah. And I was 25 before I was diagnosed, so I was a much later onset. And thankfully, when I was diagnosed, it was just a couple of months after Kyle finished that first ride he talked about. And we lived in the same city at that time. So, of course, when I went to Google and started searching, 
it was all over local news, right? Stories just in the last couple of months. And that's how I found Kyle. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute. This guy, same age, same city, same condition. Uh, we need to be friends. So, of course, reach out. And, you know, in that moment, yes, I felt lonely. But I also knew that we had work to do. So I was grateful to be able to connect with Kyle and from there build the last 10 years or so or 12 years of, of friendship. Oof, I love that you found him that way. That's so awesome. And Sean, something that really has kind of stuck with me that you said after you were sitting in the room with your geneticist and you got the diagnosis and they told you that you were never going to do this and you were never going to do that. And you walked out of that appointment and you took the stairs instead of the elevator. That moment, were you always like that when someone told you you can't or no? Do you think you always sort of had that grit and that courage that you were going to go your own path? I don't know the answer to that, but I'm willing to say probably. And not so much, you know, having, it's not like I wake up every day and, and give myself a talk of, okay, whatever they say you can't <laughs> do, you will, you know, it's, I think there's some sort of natural bent inside of us that says you know we when you believe something so strongly it's really hard for somebody to shake that out of you and for me it didn't matter that it was a doctor or somebody that had gone to school for 12 years and you know made more money than me like to me I just didn't see it in that moment because I wasn't experiencing the symptoms that were so common in FA or, or with FA. So to me, it was almost like, I think there may have been a borderline of, I'm not so sure all of this is true. Like maybe it's a wrong diagnosis, but at the same time I knew, okay, well, sure that might be true down the road, but there's no reason I can't do things right now because physically I was at a place where I was able to do things. It was just, felt a little awkward or maybe I was a little bit slower or just different than my friends. And I really didn't see the outcome that that the doctor was talking about. Let me answer that for Sean also. Uh, yes, he always has been that way. It's something ingrained in his personality that if you tell Sean there's no way he can do that, he's just going to want to do exactly that you know and i think that's something that i appreciate i think that's something that we have in common and something that i appreciate about sean i i usually give him crap but i will give him a little compliment in this case believing something strongly and sticking to it i think those are a couple of things that really prove character in somebody Mm, I totally agree. That is kind of one of my questions. I wanted to know what each of your favorite things were about each other or about your friendship. I that's this is gonna take a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta think of something. No, <laughs> not really. You know, I think for me personally, um, I remember the first time Kyle and I met. You know, I had a lot of questions just related to FA. And I get to the restaurant a little bit before him and I get a table. And then he comes in a little bit later and he's kind of walking, you know, funny in in, in my worldview. So I'm like, oh, this he definitely is 
it's coming to life for me, right? And I remember he ordered a beer. And one of my questions was, well, does that make it worse? (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, he educated me in that moment. But also, it was like, I'm going to enjoy life. So, I appreciate about Kyle that sense of living in the moment and doing doing what you want in in the course of living life the way you want to in in the sense of enjoying the moment and not necessarily being dictated or living your life out of a a certain level of fear or what might come down the road. Mm, that's hilarious. That's the best story ever. Yeah, yeah, I want to hear this. Okay, you you so let him ahead. you let him t- <laughs> 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 you're go- you're gonna have this memory forever. So whenever you're mad at each other, I you know what I appreciate about Sean is that he thinks really big, and I think that's important in rare disease because we are so tempted to have our world shrink when we get this diagnosis, but you know. In my conversations with Sean, we expand each other's horizon, I think, just by the way we think. And I think that's so important to separate the disease or the circumstances, right, from what we're going to be able to do with them. And, you know, that's our tagline of our podcast is like beyond circumstances and it's based on that idea that you know even though we are faced with tough circumstances there's always a reason as sean says there's always a reason to get out of bed and there's always a reason to reach beyond those circumstances awesome and speaking of thinking big you guys the ataxian oh my gosh i'll have it linked in the show notes for everyone but what an incredible documentary you know, covers your guys's. Well, it wasn't your first race, was it? It was your first race as a team. Really? As far as like an actual race, as opposed to a bike ride, it was It's yeah. basically yeah. the only one that I've ever done. You know, I ride okay. a lot. <laughs> but the, I mean, the clock, we're racing against the clock and we had to finish in a certain amount of time. And, you know, <sighs> and so, yeah, that was our, our first race. And, um, as far as the film, I am just so glad it's on record. And, um, you know, because we would not be talking about it right now, right? If if it wasn't a movie. And, yeah. Um, so that's amazing. Give some details about the race itself and the film that was made surrounding it. So the race is known as uh, Race Across America. Like Kyle said in the beginning, it literally is from coast to coast, west to east in the United States. We started in Oceanside, California, and for a team, it's relay style. We had four cyclists. Uh, We had a team of, I want to say, 17 folks that helped make it happen, but only four of us were pedaling. A team has nine days to get from the west coast to the east coast, and in that nine-day period... There isn't time to stop. Like you, you pedal not, somebody's pedaling at all times for the most part. So that's kind of the skeleton premises of the race. And when Kyle started dreaming about this race, we started thinking about ways of 
utilizing it to raise awareness and to call attention to FA and life in the rare disease world kind of as a whole. And everybody on the team had one mission, and that literally was just to finish. And what was really beautiful about our crew was they all had a personal connection to FA at some level, whether it was Sean or Kyle or somebody else in their family, we all had the same goal, and that was to get to the finish line before the clock stopped. Whether it was a minute ahead of time or a day ahead of time, we didn't care. As long as we had a finish before the nine days was up. Yeah, seeing some of the storylines of your crew, uh, whether they were standing on the sidelines or helping with your bikes or driving the RVs, and hearing about their connection to your community, I think was also so powerful. And I think that's so cool that you included them as part of the race, rather than maybe getting some professionals who've done this several times in whatever way. It really made such an impact in the storytelling of it all. It was amazing. I think that point right there is just testament of something we can all relate to. We, we had no idea what we were doing. <laughs> Um, we had an idea and we just simply, you know, mostly Kyle just started throwing it out there like, Hey, I'm going to do this thing. And little by little people raise their hand to volunteer. So I like that story because it just proves you don't need professionals. You don't need all the money in the world. You don't need the stars to align just right. You just need to start moving just one foot in front of the other and just start doing what's important to you and taking action. I also want to build off of what you said about the aligned um, ideals and the, the alignment between the crew. Everyone had the same goal and we had a safe word on the trip. So if things got sideways and were, you know, really intense and people were getting on each other's nerves and all that stuff, we were supposed to say Team Farah, and everyone stops and we regroup. Well, we never had to use that word. We never had any conflicts that I ever saw on this trip because everybody was so aligned and focused on the end goal. Nobody was thinking about themselves. They were thinking about the team and getting to the finish line. And I think that we can all see that in teams that we're on, you know, when there's conflict, it's because someone's thinking about themselves and not about the team and the end goal. Yeah. And I think it all really connects to making a difference, being this small person in this huge world and doing something to move the needle to help right all of the rare disease community. It really travels to so many parts of your life. And I think that this race really showed that to everyone. Yeah, I agree. No, it's amazing to be a part of the rare disease community. I was thinking about the other day, you know, there's so many disease groups, but I think the rare disease community really values collaboration in a true way. Like everyone is always looking for opportunities to collaborate. And yeah, I think this film was a representation of that, just everyone working towards the same goal, and it plays itself out in the rare disease commit. Uh, during the film, Kyle, I loved when you said something that 
people can support your cause, any cause, by just thinking about it and by supporting it in their mind or with their words. And that was as valuable as having someone write a check to a foundation. Can you tell me about why having just the thought stream and thinking about someone's mission is just as impactful as giving money to find a cure for a disease? Yeah, I think, you know, my mindset at that very moment in the race was there because probably because I had just gotten a text or somebody had read an email to me or something like that from someone who knew what we were doing and it meant a lot to them. And that was really what drove us. It was the thought that we were making a difference in the world. And that is so valuable. Like like I said, that is literally what drove us across the country. And if you can be a part of that just by thinking about it and making a comment to somebody, hey, I think you're awesome and I think you're doing a great job and I support what you're doing. If that can move the needle... That's pretty amazing, you know? Uh, yeah, sure, writing a check does that too. But you can't value one over the other. Yeah. When y'all stopped to pull over to say hi to some of the people that were cheering you on, oh my gosh, uh, just it made me cry so much. It was one of the most beautiful parts in the movie. You're on this race against time and to complete your mission. And, you know, you're, you all have this momentum and this mindset that you have to be in. And you stopped. And you said hi to these people who had made a sign and that little boy who's who looks up to you guys so much. You know, he has these amazing role models. And I just I love that you guys stopped and said hi to them. You know, there were plenty of days, you know, we had nine, but it felt like all nine were hard. It was certainly rewarding for us, even more so being able to, you know, they were the fuel to the fire. So taking a minute and, you know, a lot of those folks brought us, you know, cookies or brownies or, you know, somebody brought barbecue one, one day. <laughs> and so, you know, that stuff was what really what caused us to pedal through the pain and the discomfort of a knee or in, you know, three of our cases, the saddle itself. I mean, that gets sore after about three hours yeah. sitting in that seat. <laughs> so that just reminded us to keep going, that what we were doing was so much bigger than that discomfort or the pain or the, the hard uphills. Yes, yes. I loved it so much. So tell me about what you guys are doing now. Sean, tell me about determinants. Oh, yeah. So um, when I was diagnosed over a period of a couple months, just trying to wrap my head around this new diagnosis and, you know, kind of a different definition to the rest of my life, I started just doing little day hikes with friends just to think and talk and wrestle with the new outcomes that we thought life was going to bring. And it was on one of these sites that we realized that a lot of other people in that moment, like in my community at that time, were somewhat inspired because they knew that I wasn't, I didn't walk well, that I had a hard time 
climbing and, and, you know, hiking and doing things like that. And word just spread within my little community. And we discovered that people were inspired and encouraged to get off their couch and go out and do a thing. And then that turned into a 5K and a 10K. And before we know it, I have marathon. So this idea of helping people accomplish something physically challenging for them was really the root of the inspiration behind Determinants. So Determinants is a nonprofit that I founded that has a mission to help people in the world of disability cross finish lines or climb mountains or do whatever they want to do, something that is physically challenging. So I think of it as similar to Make-A-Wish, but instead of sending somebody to Disney World or their favorite concert, it's helping them complete a 10K or a 5K or a mountain climb or whatever they want to do when their condition or disability says they can't. The idea behind determinants is to procure the equipment that might be needed or the team members that might be needed to carry the individual or push or pull or do whatever it takes to help the individual stand on top of that mountain or run through the finish ribbon themselves. So is this just located in California or do you kind of have chapters around, you know, the country that you do that with? Yeah, good question. You know, even though we started the organization eight years ago, it's still very small and in its infancy stages. So right now we're just based in Northern California, but we've done events in a couple different areas around California. And the idea is to get to a point where we're able to come to wherever the individual may be and, and help them complete an event in their own backyard. Awesome. So right now, I'm still pretty limited, but the goals are uh, much, much larger than Northern California. Cool. So how can people like me get involved to support determinants? Yeah, I thank you for asking. Uh, determinants does operate a website, so determinants.com. All E's, no A's. There is one I in there somewhere. Anyway, <laughs> easier if you just link it in your show yep, notes. You but determinants.com, folks can donate to the cause easily right there on the homepage. But also they can send an email or if it's like hiking, uh, there's a link to email there if they're interested in being a part of a hiking team or a running team or whatever team they're interested in. We've kind of right now, we've focused on two big areas. That's running or walking and mountain climbing So or, you know, hiking. So if somebody wants to be a part of the team or they know somebody that wants to be a part of the team, they can send an email. If they want to support financially, they can donate easily on the website. Awesome. Can't wait to perhaps be a part of that with my own little guy someday. That's very cool. Where, where are you guys at? I live in Seattle. And I saw that you guys were here not long ago. And I was like, oh, I wish I could meet them. But they look busy. <laughs> we just got to plan ahead, you know. <laughs> next time. Next time. Yeah. Cool. That's so exciting. I can't wait to learn more about it. And I think it's going to perk up a lot of people's ears when they hear what you're doing. And Kyle, congratulations on your book, Shifting Into High Gear. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. So all of my cycling adventures are sort of documented. You know, I've written blog posts and, and we've got the documentary and there have been articles and stuff. And 
my very first ride, the one from San Diego to Memphis, was not really documented anywhere except for the blog that I wrote in real time while I was on the trip. And so I was like, all right, I got to get this into a digestible form that some people might even enjoy consuming. So I wrote myself for like seven or eight years, you know, I would really be on it for like a week and then I would go for like a month without writing anything. And then, you know, I, I just get, we, we all probably do that at some level. And then, you know, at some point I was like, all right, this is dumb. Like I need to get this thing done. <laughs> so I started working with an amazing writer named Alex Schnitzler and he it was so great to work with him we would have phone calls like twice a week and then once a month or once every couple months he would send me a chapter and we'd review it together and make tweaks and whatever and so you know it was a really amazing process of all right this is what happened what does it mean to me and what might it mean to somebody else who's reading? And I don't think we do that enough in life. Like, we don't really scrutinize things that happen in our lives. And be like, all right, what does this mean? And how can I take it forward as an idea to apply in the rest of my life? And so just the process of writing the book was a really amazing thing in the, to document that and get the ideas down on paper. So cool. I think both of you do that really well, actually. You're both such awesome writers. But it seems like you have a lot of, I don't know, you take action on a lot of your thoughts and a lot of your goals. And I think that's kind of what sets you apart and why you're so inspirational to throw that word around. But I think you're just such doers that it it's so it's so obvious. Part of me thinks that has to do with knowing whether it's rare disease or not. We're only here for a short time. Tomorrow might look completely different than today. To some degree, if you're not living your life on purpose, five or ten years go by, and you know you're you're closer to the end than than you ever thought you'd ever be, and, and you realize it's either too late or you've missed a great opportunity. So I think a lot of it, is, and Kyle talks, says it a lot, and it's kind of a tagline on our podcast, too. you got to live with a sense of urgency. Whether you're living with a rare disease or not, anybody could be hit by a bus tomorrow or whatever the case may be. And I heard an author recently say, you know, when you, when you get to a point where somebody's given your eulogy, will they be able to say, you made a contribution that impacted lives or will they just say you were a nice guy? And I want to be one of those that whether I impact millions or just my neighborhood, I want people to feel the impact of my life just because I existed. I love that because that's like, I love it because it's, it's a high standard. Like a lot of people might be good with, he was a nice guy like that. That's good. Right. But Sean, I, what you're saying is, you know what? That's not good enough. Let's make an impact and, and make that our legacy. Excellence. Yeah. I think you're, you're both a very good example of excellence 
and living life on purpose, like you said, for sure. Even just me listening to you years ago and, you know, kind of following along, it's impacted me. And, you know, I don't know how many people and what kinds of people you maybe thought that you were going to impact through your podcast, but you've made a huge difference in my outlook for my son's life and for our family's life. I think that tells us to to keep going on the days where we're, you know, we, we don't want to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It makes, <laughs> makes a big impression on us. And that means a whole lot. Thank you. For real. Last night, I actually, for probably the first time in a year, I left a gathering weeping. I was weeping for my son because his differences were frustrating someone in the room so much so that I just told my husband, we have to go and we have to go now before I said anything that I would feel bad about or before I broke down in front of everyone, you know, my heart just hurt all night and I was laying in bed and I was thinking, I get to chat with the two disabled dudes in the morning and it kind of helped me find some balance and I knew I was going to talk to the guys who always remind me that life is how I react to it. And today's a new day and I'm just so grateful to have had this opportunity to talk to you guys really well, that that means a lot and we hope it will and and i know you are because of your podcast and, and the way you are you know to pay that forward is what we what we do to respect that feeling right and so um i appreciate we appreciate you paying it forward and to to the next person who needs that inspiration thank you i really appreciate that so Guys, is there anything that you want to leave our audience with? Any nuggets that you haven't already bestowed on us? I'll say what's in my, you know, jiving with my heart, my spirit right now is exactly what you just said. When, you know, it's maybe the two disabled dudes or the podcast or the film helped you in a season of pain, you probably have no idea how much once upon a gene is helping somebody else today or will help somebody else next year. So I would encourage you to keep going and I would encourage your listeners to find their voice, whether, you know, cause some people think, Oh, don't start another podcast. There are enough of them, but we all have listeners. And I, me personally, I listen to like 20 different podcasts and, you know, there's a million books, but what's one more? So I would encourage your listeners to to do whatever is in their heart to do. Not in a sense of, oh, I'm, I'm not good enough or there's enough already out there. You have no idea how your voice might connect better or more easily or more relatably with somebody else. Yes. Amen. Thank you. What about you, Kyle? Yes, what what Sean said. <laughs> I will second yeah, that. that. <laughs> yes, that's a really good one. Uh, all right, cool. Well, thanks, guys. I really appreciated it, and I hope to chat with you again sometime and maybe see you on the road someday. Yeah, next time we're in Seattle, we're definitely going to call you up. Yes, okay, cool. All right. Thanks for joining me today, guys. Thank you. Thank you for having us. I hope you've been enjoying this podcast. If you like what you hear, please share this show with your people and please make sure to rate and review it on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also head over to Instagram, Facebook and Twitter to connect with me and stay updated on the show. 
If you're interested in sharing your story or if you have anything you would like to contribute, please submit it to my website at effieparks.com. Thank you so much for listening to the show and for supporting me along the way. I appreciate y'all so much. I don't know what kind of day you're having, but if you need a little pick-me-up, Ford's got you. Ha <laughs> <laughs>